Well, we are on our journey with the Song of Ascents on the journey to uh, Jerusalem, Psalms 120 through 134, and we began that journey last week with Psalm 120. And, uh, and we just heard Psalm 121, but I'm going to read it again. Listen to the word of the Lord. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, guide us as we consider your word. Guide us into understanding ourselves and our relationship with you and your presence, the opportunity to to always call on you. Guide us now as we stand before your word. Guide my words, guide all of our hearts and minds as we seek you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. What did you expect to happen when you became a Christian? Now, I know many of you are like me, and you've been Christians for a long time, and for myself, I I hardly remember the answer to my own question from way back when I was a, a young teenager. But I do remember being really excited to feel like I had found what I was looking for. This, this faith, it answered the immediate questions that I had about reality, and it, 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 it spoke to my own feelings about my life in this world. And it answered it with Jesus dying for me. And I remember the f- feeling of that truth that I'm forgiven, I'm loved, and I'm going to be all right. And, and everything is going to be all right in the end. That, that truth has never left me. But I don't always feel like I did when it first sunk in. I, I think there's an inevitable part of that feeling that it gets extrapolated to think thinking that everything is going to be all right from now on. And every step of the way, things are going to be easy from from this point on. It's like like a walk in the garden and, and whole theologies and churches and denominations and traditions have been built on that belief that if you just have enough faith, 
Everything will go well and be easy for you from the moment that you say no to the world and yes to God. But the truth is, our problems are not all solved the moment we say no to the world and yes to God. Life is hard. And, and, and it's not for lack of faith that it's hard. In some ways, believing even makes our, can make our circumstances harder. It makes me think of a, a, a friend's life story. She had an abusive father who used his Catholicism as an excuse to try to keep her from going to church with her grandmother. But she really wanted to go because she really believed. But it made her life even more precarious at home. Her faith made things even harder. Life is hard, and our faith doesn't usually make our circumstances easier, and it can even make them harder. Now, learning that truth is not an embarrassment to our faith. Turns out, it's a relief. Because if we think it's supposed to be easy, and then it's not, that, that can be very confusing. And this, this truth can be of great help. Eugene Peterson tells a story about trying to get the blade off his lawnmower, and he's, he's struggling and struggling until a neighbor comes over and tells him, you know, lawnmowers are usually reverse-threaded. You got to turn it the other way. And he's pretty relieved to know that little truth. Psalm 121 is a, is a gentle voice suggesting we might be going about the Christian life with this misunderstanding. And it's a necessary sequel to the previous psalm in which we embark on the Christian life. But right out of the gate, we stub our toe. As we first jump in, we get our noses full of water and we come up coughing and spluttering. Peterson says, for many, the first great surprise of the Christian life is in the form of the troubles that we meet. And, and so... We had expected Eden and uh, a new Jerusalem. And so when the troubles, on, when we hit troubles in, on the journey, we begin to look around for help. And when you are in Palestine, you, you are surrounded by hills. It's not, not totally unlike here. And so we look up to the hills when you look around. And Psalm 121 is the neighbor coming over and telling us how we're doing it wrong. You're mistaken in what this journey will look like. It's not going to be easy, and you'll be calling out for help along the perilous way. And the question is, where do you call for help? This passage is a, is a, it's a traveler's advisory. This is where you call for help. There's, and there's three pictures in this passage of the kinds of hazards along the journey in the Psalms. We step on loose stones and we sprain an ankle. And that, that's trouble when you live in an agrarian society and when you're climbing hills or when you're on a journey. Sunstroke with the hot sun. And then there's moonstroke, the moon by night. It, it's understood in this world that this is becoming emotionally ill. 
falling to, to pressures and anxieties. It's where we get the term lunacy. Can you, can you think of modern equivalents? It's not hard. Accidents, illnesses, some, some crazy person with a gun, and we, and we can try to make provisions to prevent things. We can get good boots for the journey and, and that have great ankle support. And, and we can wear seat belts and bike cards with good safety ratings. The last few years, we learned to wear our masks and keep socially distant, whole new ways of keeping ourselves safe in just the last few years. And we can make laws about this and that to keep ourselves safe, but ultimately, you can do everything, and there's no guarantees of success or safety. It seems the psalmist suggests we are immune from sprained ankles and sunstroke and stress. But that can't be what he means here. Our experience tells us different. And clearly, you don't call for help unless something is wrong to begin with. But this isn't about whether things happen. This psalm is about where do you look for help? Help from the hills. Help from the hills. So, you've got to consider, what does the ancient person see when he looks to the hills for help? Beautiful mountains and hills in Israel. My first thought is Jerusalem, the highest city in Israel. And it is where the temple is. It's where God dwells. And this is what I always implicitly understood when I read this psalm. You, you look to the hills and you see Jerusalem and you see the presence of God drawing you. But honestly, the commentators are split on, on what the psalmist is suggesting with this poetic image of looking to the hills. John, Calverson, John Calvin and Peterson see something I'd never considered when I'd read this passage before. They're thinking about what most ancient Israelites would see when they look to the hills. They will mostly see Palestine overrun with pagan worship. Much of it is practiced on the hilltops. And it's a cornucopia of everything, everything that you could want. Groves of trees planted to make all sorts of shrines, shrines that would engage in worship of the fertility of the land, things to make you feel good, things that would protect you from anything that could happen, all sorts of evil. All sorts of things for every fear, every concern, every anxiety, but also ways to indulge in every desire, to receive any promise that you want. It's a marketplace. It's a marketplace to, to calm every feel, fear and fulfill every fantasy. Not, and honestly, when you think of it in those terms, it's not wholly unlike the marketplace of promises and products that we are surrounded with in our lives. It must have been a, a shabby lot, but it's what you'd see when you look up to the hills, all except for that one hill with the, with the temple on top in Jerusalem. Now, I'd never understood this passage this way before, and it's a powerful picture when the psalmist asks the question, will you find help in the hills? And the implied answer 
with that understanding of it is no. No, you're not going to find help there. Looking to the hills is going to end in disappointment. All the promises of safety and security, all the allurements of the priests and the priestesses, all, all they are offering are lies and dissatisfaction. Will he find help in the hills? No. Instead, his help comes from the Lord. Not part of creation, not from the idols that we create for ourselves, but from the creator of all things. In the end, whatever you find on the hills, whether hills means Jerusalem, the temple, and the loving presence of God, or it means pagan temples and false promises, it all ends with our help comes from the Lord. And it's clear in this psalm, we need help, and, and we look to the Lord. Derek Kidner captures this idea when he writes of verse 2. He says, the thought of this verse, verse leaps beyond the hills to the universe, beyond the universe to its maker. Here is living help, primary personal, wise, immeasurable. Eugene Peterson also says of this psalm, the promise of the psalm, and both Hebrews and Christians have always read it this way, is not that we shall never stub our toes, but that no injury, no illness, no accident, no distress will have evil power over us. That is, we'll be able to separate us from God's purposes in us. That's, that's utterly honest literature. That we, the people of faith on the road to Jerusalem, we still have troubles. It's a perilous journey. All of life in this world is perilous. But we have a promise. The promise is not that faith makes us free of troubles, that, but that we are preserved from all evil in them. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he will not let you be tempted beyond your strength, but will provide a way to endure. And in Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, this is an incredibly comforting promise from wherever we are even in the deepest valleys. We, we can call for help from the maker of all things, and he hears us. The key of any passage is in the words in that passage. Five times the word Lord is used. We talked a little bit about that last week. Six times the word keeper is used. This is the providence of God. For the Christian, our story is not all about our problems. We all know people, and maybe we've been this way at times ourselves, where our story has at its center all of the problems in our lives. But for the Christians, our, ours is the story of the one whom we call on all along the way. With everything that we face, 
we call on him. The only serious mistake that we can make when troubles come is to think that God's attention must have waned or shifted or was dependent on our spiritual temperature. But he is always present to hear our calls for help. He is always keeping us. And that's true for the big things and true for the little things. His attention and his love are always working on us and in us and through us. This psalm, it's a good one to know. It's, it's, a, it's a traveling companion that we would, it would always direct us back to the Lord. The Christian life is a, is a journey to God. And the Christian life is not an immediate escape to utopia, a garden where we lie in the grass without interruption with God. We still live in the world. I'm going to read an extended passage by Peterson on this psalm. It's, it's, it says so much, and I couldn't write it any better. He writes, In going to God, Christians travel the same ground that everyone else walks on, breathe the same air, drink the same water, shop in the same stores, read the same newspapers, are citizens under the same governments, pay the same prices for groceries and gasoline, fear the same dangers, are subject to the same pressures, get the same distresses, are buried in the same ground. The difference is that each step we walk, each breath we breathe, we know we are preserved by God. We know that we are accompanied by God. We know we are ruled by God. And therefore, no matter what doubts we endure, what accidents we experience, the Lord will preserve us from evil. He will keep our life. James Boyce remarks on this passage, the mature Christian is neither blind to trouble nor in fear of it. For he is following after Jesus Christ who said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I want to I take just a, a few minutes and consider what this might look like to us. As we've been embarking on this vision process um, and, and looking more, I've been looking more at all the, the, the material and listening to, to people speak on vision, I hear a theme among current thinkers and leaders about church in this current season of the world. And it's been a theme, especially in the last couple of years since COVID began, that visioning is harder for churches, and it's, and it's changing. The nature of it is changing. Now, one of the ways of considering vision, which we're doing as a church ourselves, one of the ways is to prayerfully discern how we see ourselves five years and, and ten years down the, world, uh, down the road as a church. Uh, and, and then when we see ourselves and get that picture, then we start working backwards about how do we get from here to there. But this way of developing vision is, has never been more challenging because of how much the world is changing. 
And the process of looking five years into the future is usually one of looking for a better version of what we've been. But that's no longer as likely to be a, as effective as in the past. It is something that we're going to do in our visioning process, but it's, it's even more challenging now because ways of being the church in such a different world, they just aren't going to look the same as they have in the past. But, but there's another aspect to visioning. And, and maybe a better way to consider vision. Rather than divine our future of where we're going to end up, it is to recognize our values. Right now, what are our values? What is it that means everything to us? And I got to say to this church, that, that's clearer. That's, a, that's easier to understand. The gospel the good news of Jesus Christ, of God's love and salvation for sinful people in a broken world. It's exactly what we see reflected in this passage. From where does our help come? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We see that help from God most clearly in his son who lived preaching his kingdom. He died for us and the forgiveness of our sins, and he rose from the dead and gives us life. That's the message. That's the gospel. And we're on a journey, and from the very beginning, even when we don't know exactly what it looks like we're headed to, it's, it's kind of like being in a transition process. This psalm helps us see how to proceed how to move forward. It, it, what's so important when you don't know exactly where you're going is knowing where to look for help along the way. This morning, uh, Debbie Green, who is part of the visioning team, was going to give an update on where we're at. But unfortunately, um, she wasn't able to make it this morning. And... and uh, and she was also going to give us a challenge that we can all be a part of this process, but, but not feeling well this morning. This is a good point in, in the message to invite you to participate in the visioning process, all of us together. Last week, we told you we're starting, to, we're starting the visioning process by building prayer team, a prayer network. Each of us is inviting two people to be prayer partners with us. And those partners are going to also be charged with being a listening ear to how God is, is speaking through all of the congregation, networking in so that we're all a part of this. Because we begin this journey by looking to God for help, for direction, for his vision for us. And so here's one way we want to invite you as a vision team into this process. We want to encourage our whole congregation to be praying daily for our church and our, our mission. Particularly, we would like to encourage everyone to set a clock, to set a watch, to set a phone, 6.35 p.m. every day. And when that timer goes off, I'm going to encourage you for a few moments, for a few minutes, five minutes, however long the, the circumstances and the spirit lead in that moment to address God 
and ask for help, to pray. Every week in the loop, our weekly online newsletter will we'll have a particular focus to encourage you to pray. And as we pray, we know God might have particular ways of speaking to you. Let us know what you're hearing. Let, let us know what, you, what God is putting in your mind, in your thoughts. And, and let us want, speak to one of the vision team or one of the prayer partners, any of us. Because all of us, we're in this together. Looking to the Lord for help along the way. And we're also going to spend a season looking at scriptures and that speak to the church and speak to vision. But we'd also like to invite you and encourage you to mark your calendars and set aside a time for a Saturday seminar. We're going to be inviting you on Saturday, June 10th, probably from 9 or 10 o'clock to 3 o'clock, middle of the day. We've invited a special speaker from our denominational leadership, an old friend, Reverend Bill Rash, and he's going to help us consider where God is leading us in ministry and mission as a church in Kent. All of this, all of this is simply a call to prayer, a call to prayer. This psalm is a call to prayer. It just, it gives us the address of who to call on. And with that, it also gives us the one to praise as the one who is our helper. This psalm, I think, can accompany us all along the way on this journey. For we look to the hills for our help. Who is our help? The Lord God, our maker. Let's come in prayer to him. Lord, um, some of us have expectations of life shattered along the way. And it can be overwhelming. And Lord, we either have our faith shaken or from even the depths of despair, wherever we may be, we look to you for help. Whatever our circumstances, whether it is in a season of joy and, or a time of trial, God, we look to you and we see our Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, who provides, whose way is providence so that we can acknowledge all the troubles of this world and still live in hope and the assurance of your goodness and grace and salvation, and that we can walk the journey with the assurance that in the end, in the end, Lord, everything is going to be all right because it's all in your hands, and you keep us every step of the way. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this word in particular, this psalm. And may, it, may it live in our minds and our hearts all the time as we know whom to call upon and whom is with us, who is with us all the way. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your word.
may it be a part of our lives all the time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.